What's going on, everybody? Another episode in the transitional life of being a student athlete and all that good stuff. You got Jason and Danielle here with you again. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? Oh, man. You been doing all right, D? Yeah, I've been doing good. Just nice, icy, and snowed in for a day, but everything else is good. You know, life is life. How's yes. it your way? Same down here, you know. Um, went from quarantine to ice team, so I'm back at the house again, you know. Uh, this time the wife and I just kind of iced in together, kids are hanging out with their cousins, and we just kind of, you know, chilling out. But I want to go ahead and get into this topic for today, like the beginning of the uh, of the process of being a student athlete. So not just uh, being a student athlete at the beginning, but also the beginning of when you're going post-collegiate, when you're leaving it. So um, I want to talk a little bit about becoming a student athlete, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. so so since you touched on, you know, our topic today, becoming a student athlete, Tell me what that looks like for you. Like, what does that mean to become a student athlete? Oh, to me, um, I'm a person who's been involved in sports pretty much since I was a kid. You know, I have a lot of brothers. I got seven brothers that I grew up with and I'm always running around with them. And I got a tall, long-legged older sister that I was always running from or running from because she was fast. But anyway, so it's uh, knowing when to start the process, knowing when to focus on this sport because I hear a lot of uh, different arguments. I hear two arguments. One is like you could you should focus on one sport at a certain age, like when you get into high school or like you can focus on multiple sports. And it's kind of, I'm torn between the two personally because mm-hmm. some of my favorite athletes are two sport athletes. You know, one of my top three is the the great Bo knows. Bo Jackson knows all sports. So Bo Jackson played an all-star game in football. Well, baseball, Major League Baseball. He was also a pro bowler in football. And then you got the great Willie Galt. People don't talk about him enough. He's one of the few people to have a world championship medal and a Super Bowl ring, 85 Bears, the uh, the Bear, uh, Chicago Bears shuffle. Look it up if you haven't seen it. And also, <laughs> Bullet Bob Hayes, the only person with an Olympic gold medal and a 100-meter dash and a Super Bowl ring because he played for the Cowboys. I'm not a fan of Cowboys. I don't care how y'all feel. I'm just <laughs> not. I'm, it's not America's team. Not I was team. told it was America's team, you know. Well, but I live in Jason world. So. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but like back to it. It's just uh, I'm torn between the two because I feel like some people should focus on that one sport, but then the multiple sports can kind of help you to hone yourself in that uh, in that one sport that you may choose. So, what what do you think about that? Like, how do you feel? Um, I kind of feel the same way as well um, as you do, because when I think about it, and I think about um, you know athletes when they do focus on one sport from the beginning, from the, as soon as they start playing in a sport at you know the age of seven or, mm-hmm. or five. When they focus only on that one sport for so long, they get burnt out. Right, um, and right. then I've seen athletes who, you know, play multiple sports in high school. And you know, burnout is real. So, yeah, burnout is very real. And it's more so the mental burnout um, that the athlete has. Um, but yeah, when I see other athletes who are multi sport athletes in high school, they don't really focus on one. They seem to be more well rounded and they don't get as many injuries. And I've seen those kids who focus on one sport flourish do fine um i think it really comes down to just really knowing the athlete as the parent knowing your child and what they can handle what they can't handle um mm-hmm. and then coaches knowing the athletes that they're dealing with and whether they should suggest their kid go that particular athlete focus on a school or still stay well-rounded so i really think it just depends it's situational mm. in my opinion okay so i like that answer good great response i agree with you like it depends on you but you touched on two things like the the parent and the the coach and it's like, to me, where do you start the process? Because, uh, you know, I've worked in higher ed for like 11 plus years in different roles, an advisor, a coach, an administrator. And I've been asked, like, when do you start the process? So 
you're currently still in a higher ed, you know, you're Correct. a coach now. So, and I would love to hear your view as somebody who's been in athletics so long, like the process, when do you start the process? Of, you mean like, process of, like of becoming a student athlete? Like, cause we talked okay. about a high school and stuff. So when is that start? I would say, honestly, from a coach's eye, that really, and just my personal opinion, mm -hmm. being a, a daughter of a teacher, my mother's a teacher, she's been teaching for 30 years. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would say that starts at a very young age. It doesn't start when they enter in high school or middle school or when you see that the kid has a talent. Um, I think that really starts developing the overall person at a, at a young age because you're the parent of the first teacher. Mm -hmm. You're the parent of the first coach because you're introducing your child to this sport. You're introducing right. them to new things. So I think it starts at a very young age as far as the process in itself of developing an overall person keeping that balance because as a student athlete you have to have a balance in your life and I think when you can uh, incorporate that into a child's life early on that helps them as they start to become more focused on their sport that they're playing I hope that answers or I hope that helps um, narrow down as far as how the process can get started and where that starts yeah sounds From good um so like choosing that path and everything like so that process I'm gonna start on that I'm gonna stay on that for just a moment. So the process basically is, okay. is different parties involved. It sounds like the athlete, the coach, and the parent. So basically their circle mm -hmm. of support, their support group, and like I, I think it's fair to say from my experience in like uh, life and everything and professional life, especially that some athletes don't have as big of a, a strong of a support circle than other, as others. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with I that? Mean, I, I would absolutely agree. Because I, I know sometimes, especially life is life, and <clears throat> some people's parents maybe have to work multiple jobs and aren't as supportive or aren't able to be there physically there with their child. But I think whoever creating a support system, where it's aunts, uncles, family, friends, whatever the support system is, people are pouring into developing this all around person, mm -hmm. not just focusing on the sport or their athletic ability alone, but developing them in the classroom, developing their character, their integrity, morals, and values. To be an all-around person, I think that's what encompasses a student athlete, not just the athlete parts. I think a lot of times we focus on athlete, 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 mm -hmm. and not that they're a person first before they're ever a student athlete. Mm. Right. But I right. think the development of the person um, will take place as well when they become their sport, using their sport as a tool as well for the process. So that sport, what I mean by that is um, that you can learn life lessons from your sport. Um, you can you can learn how to create uh, you can learn how to teach them character and integrity with their sport and make them more of an all around person and still stick with the process of developing them to becoming a recruitable student athlete. So when uh, are they a recruitable student athlete? Well, based off the NCAA, they become a uh, a prospective student athlete. Real quick athlete. for our listeners, like what does NCAA stand for? <laughs> I mean, some people don't know, like you hear the acronym all the time because I'm a big acronym person. So I have to always explain what the acronym is. So, you know, it's the, for, for those listening, it is the National Collegiate Athletic Association. So for those non-NCAA people. All right, so back to- And the, I don't mean answer. to laugh, to offend anyone at all, any of our listeners, if you if you did not um, under, know or understand that. Because myself, sometimes I say, in, I, I get messed up and I say the wrong acronym <laughs> on accident. So, <laughs> well, so I know I like 
laughing. You and I like being people who've been in higher ed, especially like uh, collegiate athletics. Like we just say NCAA, we know what it means. We know what it is. So we just roll with it. So I just want to make sure we have clarity for all the people listening out there who are probably not in it, especially like if you're a parent or a uh, PSA, prospective student athlete, wanting to be a part of a collegiate athletic program, we want you to know what we're talking about, so. Right, you're absolutely correct. And Jason, that was a good point to bring that up because pretty much what the NCAA is, is just a governing body that has rules instituted in place. And that's really the process, honestly, that's where the process starts when they're in high school becoming a prospective student athlete. Because if they're wanting to be recruited and um, actually be able to be a part of the NCAA, they have to meet certain requirements from this mm-hmm. governing body that they've put rules. Mm-hmm. The difference between the NCAA and the NAIA, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other conversation that we can have. Yeah, just, we don't have time for that one today. Right, we don't on, have that's time another topic that. though. But there are two different governing bodies. So mm-hmm. knowing what you need to do. So to answer Jason's question, as far as when you become recruitable, that's when you um, turn our high school age. So when you enter the high school, which is at ninth grade, is when you become a prospective student athlete based off the NCAA standards. So just to be sure everybody understands that, because some schools, ninth grade is a middle school or junior high at some uh, some schools. Mm-hmm. But for the NCAA's uh, standings, that's when you are recruitable. They consider you a high school student when you're in ninth grade. Yes, that is correct. And so there are certain, and so what that means, there are certain... Um, standard <clears throat> there are certain standards that the ncaa has as far as your grade and the criteria mm-hmm. you have to take so many english so many math so many science courses mm-hmm. along your path for those four years and mm-hmm. have a certain grade to be able to be considered a qualifier out of high school right and then, eligible <clears throat> to be I'm, I'm sorry go ahead go ahead i'm sorry i keep i don't know i guess this cold weather got me coughing it's the yeah, I ain't got been, no COVID. I'm just clearing my throat. Okay, let's clarify that. Yeah, she's been eating her own cooking again, y'all. So, nah, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's a great cook. She's a great cook, I think. So, <laughs> But <laughs> just, just to clarify that as far as being a qualifier and those other things, we can really get into um, more. But that's what makes, that's what starts the process mm-hmm. of knowing the governing body, which is the NCAA, and what their requirements are for you once you uh, become a prospective student athlete entering the ninth grade. So, um, Jason, when you was, you know, going through the process, can you tell me a little bit about your process of going through that as a, as a student athlete, because you're a former student athlete and, and also Mm -hmm. now from a parent's perspective, you have children and your daughter, what does that look like for you as the process with her getting started and also like choosing her path? Hmm. Okay. So for me, it was a little different. Um, I was a non-traditional student athlete when I got to college. I went to college as a 23-year-old freshman uh, simply because I had to take a different path. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I was interested in this topic is because there's a lot of unknowns for me coming out of high school. I wasn't familiar. I never heard of NCAA. I knew about collegiate sports because I saw Notre Dame playing football a lot. Now I was a Memphis Tiger fan watching Penny Hardaway and stuff. But I didn't know what NCAA was. So I didn't apply to colleges. I didn't apply for scholarships. I ran track my last two years in high school, but I didn't look to be recruited. And for me, it started, um, I had a AAU coach that I ran like after my 12th grade year at track and field that took me to visit a school. And that was the first time I had even learned about scholarships and stuff. So once I decided to go to college as a freshman, non-traditional student, which is somebody who doesn't come at the traditional age of a high school graduate, I walked onto the track team. 
and I discussed with the coach about a scholarship and all that stuff. And I didn't know about being recruited. It took a few guys that I consider mentors that helped me out along the way in my early 20s to go on visits and stuff like that. And now as a father, uh, my wife and I, we have a 13 year old. And what we do, what we're planning on with her, once she's, we're getting, we talked to her already about her ACT prep courses coming up, how she has to start looking at what her interests are and what schools will possibly have those interests are what we're gonna look at. So if she's into theater and arts and stuff like that, we're gonna find schools with great, great performing arts program. If she's uh, into sports, whatever sport she chooses, because our trainer is like an all around athlete. She's kind of like the Bo Jacksons that we talked about. I let her participate in everything. And she has a love right now for the arts and crafts and the theater. Uh, but she likes sports. So we're going to be those parents that are on those visits, you know, and everything, asking the questions, looking into how is your connection with the community? What is the uh, the support from the community like? What's the campus support like? Are there people that look like her? Are there people that are going to challenge her? What is the curriculum like? What is the support for those people? So coming from my, with my background, it won't be what I went through or what I see a lot of the, the students, the young kids that came in when I was uh, when I was teaching and working in the college setting what they went through, like it was so much that I saw they were, uh, they didn't know, they didn't get it. They just felt like they didn't have the structure set. So, and that's something I definitely like would like to talk about. They didn't know who they were. And when they got to the school, they didn't know where they were because it was a change of environment. You didn't have your mom or your dad or your family or your coaches because in high school, you go to class all day and you have practice at last period or after school is out, like right after. In college, you got practice when coach say you got practice. You might not have a class on Tuesday and Thursday, but you got practice at 2.30. So something we talked about 10 years, like you got to know when to go get breakfast. <laughs> Nobody tells you. You got to know when to go get lunch. You don't have a set time for lunch like you did in high school. So some of those things are what I saw, like that structure. So um, I want so you to you touch on that a little bit. Well, you well, go no, ahead. I want to know a little bit more because I know you were on the academic side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me, I know we talked about the athletic part. Um, and the structure and, and how to create that for them. But can you tell me some more on the academic side of things, what that looks like um, that you've seen as far as uh, kids are at readiness to be in college, to be recruited? Are they oh, man. recruitable? Um, it was, uh, I saw a lot of different things. I saw the kids who had the, the support or the structure set and they were prepared, meaning they probably had parents or somebody in their circle of support that like knew the system or kind of had an idea about it versus the ones that came in and, I'm only doing this major because I'm trying to be eligible or, you know, I want to go pro. I want to go pro. And I really want to talk about that later about the pro topic. Like I'm doing air quotes y'all because people say, I want to go pro. Well, you know, you want to go, you want to be a professional because at some point everybody's going to be a professional in something and everybody, it may not be sports. I know Danielle, we were talking a, a while back about the statistics and man, it's crazy on who actually is a professional out of college and what sports, but get back to answer the question is that the academic side, it was so many students that I would see that didn't know how to study. They were only there for sports and they didn't understand that there's always uh, somebody coming in to replace you. You have to fight for your position. And the key thing I take about a student athlete and I always taught everybody I taught was like, the first word in there is student. You have to be a student first before you're an athlete. So if you don't get the grades, you won't be able to get on the field or whatever your company, you won't get to compete, whether it's the field, the court, the track, whatever. Uh, so the grades, it was very important. Their study habits were not up to par. So I taught time management and things like that. They, they were just all over the place and just not understanding that you have to design your structure, your structure yourself and use the resources that your school has. Because every university institution has a resource to help these uh, student athletes. 
Some have more than others, but they have resources. So, so that was you, one of the big things. Okay, so, so what tips would you give as we're talking about the process, the beginning for a parent mm. you know, or a student athlete in the beginning, say they're eighth grader listening to us, Jason or a freshman, what mm. tips would you give them to prepare themselves study happy wise or creating something for them environment right now while they're in their parents care what tips would you give them i would tell them to break it down into uh hours like for your structure your, your time management it okay. is 168 hours in a week uh do the math seven times 24 it's 168 <laughs> that's an assignment i would give my um my making connection students so you have 168 hours allocate for how much time you need for rest and sleep how much time you need for studying, how much time you're in class, how much time you're in practice, how much time you're doing the things outside of practice like recovery or uh, research on the schools you're looking at. You're looking at. Uh, start looking at things that interest you. Like if you're a, a person that wants to play football or basketball, then who are you as a basketball player? Are you a two, are you a three, are you a big? Uh, and then look at those who've played those positions and start to study them. That's what you call research, watching film. If you're a sprinter in track and field, who is it that uh, you can emulate their style? Who's more uh, like you, body composition, stuff like that. So explosiveness, power runner, all those things you can look at. I would say just know who you are. And then also to be able to get into school, know where you are, like, are you noticed? Because mm -hmm. some people come as they're a big fish in a very small pond. I even say a puddle. Are you a dominant athlete in the smaller state? Or are you a, a semi good athlete in a large state? Uh, everybody knows Texas breeds athletes. You could be fifth in Texas, but you can go and be number one in Kentucky. Oh, no, no disrespect to Kentucky. Oh, hey, or Arkansas. So, you know, so, but hey, y'all did produce the second fastest human ever in Tyson Gay. So, you know, I got mad love. Okay. Mad love, mad love. So, but I'm saying he came from a smaller state. But, and he, he, he went a different route. You know, so you can't make it there. But like once you know who you are and where you're at, where you're located, are you being noticed? So for me, talking to the eighth grader or the ninth grader and their parents, I would say, what is it that you want to do? What are your what are you interested in? As we sit down and tell our daughter who's in the seventh grade, we're looking now to see what are the things that she likes so we can start to get her on the path. Like she likes theater and things like that. She's uh she does shows in, in Jonesboro at the Foundations of Art. She takes uh theater classes as well. She does nice. arts and crafts. So um, my wife did a production with her. Uh, they both auditioned out in Dream Girls, and somehow they talked me into doing The Lion King. So <laughs> <laughs> debuting in April, y'all. So, nice. uh, but you know, we support her and we get involved as a family with her. Mm -hmm. So you find their interest, and then, like in the future, we're going to look and see if she's still continuing down this path. What schools have programs that uh, nurture that that talent? So those are the ones we'll kind of aim to look at for a, a future visit. Mm -hmm. And getting them prepped for the ACT and SAT, wherever you're at, which one you're taking. Um, yeah. Taking the courses like Danielle spoke earlier about academics. And there's a form, there's a certain amount, like we have to take a certain amount of English, certain amount, certain amount of sciences, but there are specific ones for every high school. So one high school may have a foreign language and it may be French. You have to have it if it's on their form or what the NCAA has approved for that school. So you have to get with your counselors to know which classes to take. Because just because you took three years of math doesn't mean every math counts. You have to take the specific the specific ones, which when I was evaluating transcripts, I ran into that a lot of people, they may have had the, the four years of English, but it may not have been the correct English courses at that high school. So that's a big, that's a huge deal. I saw a lot of people miss out on that. 
And, and and just a side note to that, Jason, if you're ever confused or anything, the NCAA.org, so if you type in NCAA.org, they are a research research tool that you can utilize to Very be true. able to go in there searching and look up anything that you're wanting to find and it will be there. So if your counselor is unsure, then your, a, your athletic director should know. If they're unsure, then you contact the compliance department at the school you're interested in and they will help you. They will help your guidance counselor or your mm -hmm. um, athletic director to be able to navigate you to the right place that you need to be to make right. sure you're on there. Because there are so many resources that you have at your fingertips. It's just knowing your vision, knowing your goal that you have for yourself and setting it into motion, application of that vision and that goal. Hey man, look at you speaking knowledge. <laughs> so I got a question for you because we kind of, um, like, so if we're already like transitioned uh, into this, uh, we're pretty much talking about leaving school now, leaving yeah. high school. Yeah. Uh, so the timing mm -hmm. of what needs to be done, like your timing, like of making your decision, mm -hmm. you know, like getting the scholarships in because in academics, there's, we're focusing so much on sport that they don't they don't forget like you can get so many other scholarships like minority scholarships first generation scholarships the timing of applying to these schools because that's something we're big on as parents and you could get even more funding versus your, just your athletic only you know so talk a little bit uh, real quick on the timing for me. well well when you're looking at these different scholarships a lot of scholarships uh, especially the ones that are, are a large dollar amount amount that's outside of athletics those mm -hmm. are going to be due in like the fall of your senior year Right. So they're going to be, so if you graduate, say you graduated in the class of 2021, mm -hmm. a lot of those big money makers at the school are going to give out for scholarships. They would have been due in this past fall, 2020, some of them, October, some November, December, mm -hmm. some of them still have deadlines in February, but those are few and far between. There are other scholarships in the spring they have, but a lot of them fall in that fall semester of your senior year. Now, athletically, when we're talking about athletic funding and in that window um, well, you can start really communicating with coaches. Um, a lot of them start, a lot of the sports now start uh, July 1 of your junior year. Now, every sport is different, but a lot of uh, sports are July 1 of your junior year. And then as far as like actually being able to sign scholarships, a lot of them are you able to start signing your senior year in November. A lot of them you can start signing and there are dead periods. Some sports are in December that you can't. And what a dead period means, you cannot sign any scholarships. You can't go on campus, uh, have any contact with the coach uh, outside mm -hmm. of a one phone call uh, for some sports. Some sports you can't sign until um, December or January. So just contacting the coach and knowing those signing periods. But once it's open, for the most part, unless it's a dead period, you can sign a scholarship offer once they open the date. So some sports, when they open in November, you can sign. There's a day period for three, about two and a half, three weeks in December. And after that, it's open for the, all the way until the, the next, I mean, August. Of, so if you were going to sign, if you were a 21 prospect, it would open in 2020 of November 13th. I think that's the date. If that was the signing date, if I'm correct, for a lot of sports. Mm -hmm. um, and it go now you're, you can sign all the way until August of 2021. Oh, wow. That's that's good stuff. So uh, we're going to leave it there uh, with this and we're going to catch up next time. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the professional uh, post-collegiate, like what happens after the collegiate uh, career is over. So be sure to tune in. Uh, once again, Danielle, you got anything you want to leave with the people? 
No, just, you know what? I just thought about this. Just a little quote just to leave you some food for thought. Um, where there is no vision, the people will perish. So if you have no vision for your life, you don't know where you're going. Therefore, mm. you stay stagnant. Mm. Okay, nice. Nice way to leave them off. All right, y'all. So tune in next time. Until then, we'll talk, catch up with you later. Y'all be good.